This week, Reverend Wendy begins a new series, Fearlessness in Difficult Times. Reverend Wendy discusses the fact that life is sometimes hard and painful, and that we have important choices about how we respond and not let hard lessons harden our heart. So I am really looking forward to this series that I'm starting with you today. It is a series that is based on a book that was recommended to me by one of our, our members. Many of you know her, her name is Jane Pletz. She usually comes to, to first service. It's a book written by a Tibetan teacher, not a Tibetan teacher, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher. Her name is Pema Chodron. How many are you familiar with Pema Chodron? And the book that we're going to be exploring together is her book, the places that scare you. Say that with me. The places that scare you. The places that scare you. Isn't that interesting? The places that scare you. Not the people that scare you. Not the things that scare you, but the places that scare you. And it's not really so much about geographic places that she's writing about. It's about the places inside of us where we feel afraid, where we are scared because of some, because of something. So we're going to be exploring all of that together. The series is entitled Fearlessness in Difficult Times. Fearlessness in Difficult Times. Say that with me, please. Fearlessness in Difficult Times. Raise your hand if you think that we are, in fact, living in difficult times right now. I really think we are. We are living in difficult times right now, and I'm glad that I absolutely know that we have chosen to be here. <laughs> we are here for a reason. We are here for a reason, and I believe we are here for a reason, and we are needed, all of us that have shown up at this evolutionary point in time in the development of our human family. These are challenging times, and these are times that I think our faith and our spiritual practice is not only put to the test, but is absolutely essential. I want to open this series with a quote that Pema uses in the beginning of her book. It's a quote actually from the book, The Little Prince. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. The suggestion here, of course, is that there is a wisdom within the heart that transcends anything that the eye is really able to take in and see. I'm a Libra. And one of the things, I don't know a lot about Libras. I've never made astrology uh, uh, something that I've really pursued. But the little bit that I know about Libra is we like balance, we like beauty, we like order, and we like fairness and justice. And I'd have to say, yeah, those are things that are very, very important to me. And it has always been important to me, this idea of balancing the mind and the heart of balancing thinking and feeling, of balancing wisdom and compassion. And it is one of the things that actually draws me deeper into the exploration of Buddhism, because in Buddhism, there is this real genuine appreciation for the yin and the yang, the, the masculine, the feminine, the thinking, and the feeling. The message today, taken from Pema's book, 
the places that scare you is a message about awakening our heart. And in fact, I would say that the goal of our time together in this series is just that, to awaken our heart so we might see more clearly. And one of the ways that our heart becomes awakened is in challenging and difficult times. So we're gonna to explore today four or five ideas that can help us to keep that heart open and to keep that heart awakened. Fearlessness in difficult times, the places that scare you. Who is Pema Chodron? Pema Chodron is an American Tibetan Buddhist. She was born in 1936. When I first discovered that little tidbit of information, I was surprised because she strikes me as younger than that, and perhaps it is the result of her deep spiritual work and practice. She is a Buddhist teacher, an author, a nun, and also a mother. She had a life prior to her spiritual awakening. She is the director of the, the, the Gampo Abbey in Nova Scotia, and personally, she says her mission is to awaken wisdom and compassion in ourselves and the world around us. To awaken wisdom and compassion in ourselves and the world around us. I always love when both ends of our mission statement are expressed in something, because our mission statement is about the individual and about the world. It is really in part the idea that is contained in the Buddhist concept of bodhicitta. Bodhicitta is a spontaneous desire or a spontaneous wish to awaken oneself to compassion and wisdom and to live and be in this awakened state, not only for the benefit of oneself, but essentially for the benefit and the purpose of helping to, uh, to facilitate the awakening of all sentient beings on the planet. Chitta refers to the mind and the heart, here we have that balance again, as well as, the ad, as well as the idea of attitude. And bodhi means awakened. It means enlightened. And so our journey together then is this awakening of the mind and this awakening of the heart. And it is for the benefit of all beings, the benefit of all beings. How many of you have experienced what you would call a dark night of the soul, a really, really painful, excruciatingly difficult, keep, keep your hands up, difficult experience in your life. Look around the room and see how many of us are acknowledging that we have had that experience. It's my prayer that you're not going through it right now. If you are, stick around here. The teaching and the people can certainly, can certainly help. One of the things that I came to pretty early on in my, my spiritual work, my personal spiritual work, was that if I was going to be having a dark night of the soul experience, if I was going to be in the midst of something that, that seemed to literally bring me to my knees, to the very edge of everything that I knew how to handle or to, to deal, deal with, then by golly, I was going to be sure to be fully in that situation and eke out every single shred of learning and insight and growth that I possibly could. And that then I would turn it into a sermon <laughs> and hopefully use that as a way to garner greater blessing from whatever it was that was so difficult and painful for me. And I bet you can relate to that too. I bet you 
in the midst of that really difficult situation, that there may have been a moment where you woke up and you said, all right, if I've got to go through this, by golly, I'm not just going to go through, I am going to grow through this and I am going to come out the other side of this experience changed for the better. I'm going to eat every single piece of learning out of it that I can and then I will be willing to share it with transparency and vulnerability to the very best of my ability so that maybe in doing so, I can help to alleviate some of the suffering or pain that another might experience if I hadn't shared with them. So let's explore some of the ideas about bodhicitta, ideas about awakening. The very first is a point that Pema makes, and it is this. Do not let life harden your heart. Take that in for a moment. Maybe even touch your heart. Sometimes it helps to bring the physical in as we're dealing mentally and intellectually. Do not let life harden your heart. Let's turn it into an affirmation. I will not let life harden my heart. Say it softly. I will not let life harden my heart. I'm not sure how it is for you, but right now as I listen to the news and I still choose to listen to it, I don't over-consume it, but I do want to know what is going on in our world. I do want to be aware of what's happening in our human family. But it certainly takes a lot of mindfulness and practice for me to be in a place of not hardening my heart around some of the things that, that I see that can be so very worrisome and so very frightening. Do not let life harden your heart is actually a spiritual prescription and a spiritual practice. This morning as I was getting myself dressed and I always jot down notes, I wrote to myself, not hardened and shut down, but broken open and nudged awake. Not hardened and shut down, which is easy to become. Not hardened and shut down, but broken open and nudged awake. Pema tells about a story that happened to her when she was a little girl. She was just six years old. And as she writes about it, she writes and says that she was feeling very angry and very unloved. Now, I don't know how a little six-year-old can feel so angry and so unloved the way she described it, but she was describing feeling so very angry and so very unloved. And she was walking down the street, kicking everything in sight kicking everything in sight. And there was a, an older neighbor woman who was looking at her and watching this behavior. And she started to laugh. And she said to Pema, little girl, don't you go letting life harden your heart. And after all those years, she remembered that. Pema remembered that. Don't go letting life harden your heart. Life happens. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and a lot of times not according to plan. Have you noticed that part too? And not according to your time schedule. Anybody notice that one as well, right? Have you noticed too that on the human level of looking, oftentimes it does seem unfair. Oftentimes we, we can't attach a logical reason to why some terrible things happen when they do and as they do. I think it is a mistake to oversimplify the idea of cause and effect. 
metaphysically, as sometimes in our metaphysical movement we have done, much to the, to the disservice of individuals, I think. Life happens, and some of it can be ugly, and some of it can be very painful. But the thing that we have that is so important that we must never, ever, 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 did I say it enough, must never lose, is that we always have the choice how we're going to respond to what life throws our way and what we're going to, how we're going to let it mold or shape us. We can become, as the saying goes, bitter as a result of it or better as a result of it. Don't let a hard lesson harden your heart. Don't let a hard lesson harden your heart. Second point that she makes is because pain and hurt scare us, we tend to put up protective walls to shield us. Because pain and hurt scare us. When we look around at what's happening in the world, it's easy to feel afraid and to think that the answer is, I'm just gonna put up a wall, I'm just gonna isolate myself, I'm just gonna close my eyes, and then it won't hurt so much or I won't be so afraid. Or if we take it as a country, we say, let's build a wall. <laughs> I have a wall I wanna build. Anybody wanna know what my wall would look like? Yeah. Oh good, just egg me on, just a little bit. <laughs> It's not going to take much because I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> I want a wall, but I want it with peace poles from one end of our border to the next. Because, because I absolutely positively know that walls, whether we're talking about a physical wall between nations, or the walls that we put up around our heart, absolutely, positively, no wall can protect us. You should say amen to that. No wall can protect us. No wall can be so strong that it keeps whatever we're afraid of out there. And the walls that we put around our heart are the very things that will keep us dying inside and the love that we need to live can't get inside. So what is the answer? The answer is connection. The answer is building bridges. Building bridges of the heart, building bridges of the mind, building bridges of understanding which sometimes means being willing to get outside of what we're accustomed to, of what we know, and risk a little bit. Pema writes, bodhicitta is also equated in part with compassion, our ability to feel the pain that we share with others. Without realizing it, we continually shield ourselves from this pain because it scares us. We put up protective walls made of opinions, prejudices, strategies, barriers that are built on a deep fear of being hurt. These walls are further fortified by emotions of all kinds, anger, craving, indifference, jealousy, and envy, arrogance, and pride. Those walls that we put up to try to protect us separate us and keep us from the very thing that we so desperately need individually and collectively, and that is connection. I want to share with you something that happened last week after second service. As I was doing the receiving line, and I 
there's always two receiving lines, and I'm not talking about the nine o'clock line, and I'm, talking, and I'm not talking about the 11 o'clock line. At each service, there are always two receiving lines. There is a receiving line for me of those of you who come through quickly and want to say hello and chat ever so briefly. And then there is a second receiving line. The second receiving line is sometimes a therapy line. <laughs> the second receiving line is usually somebody who's gone into the cafe, gotten their cup of coffee, and is coming around because there's really something they need to talk to me about. And so there was a gentleman in the second receiving line after church last Sunday. And he struck me as being very quiet, very, he was quiet, he was very soft-spoken. He almost looked a little timid. It was his first time. And he proceeded to invite me and a few from our community to an important event next door at the Islamic Community Center. His name is Aziz, I don't remember his last name, but his name is Aziz. And he was sharing with me that he wanted to make connections with us and that there is fear that he and some in his community feel being Muslim. And it is their belief that one of the ways to break down that fear is through relationship, through simply being together sitting around a table, <clears throat> having a meal together, and getting to know one another. Would you not agree with that? Yes. He sounded so unity to me as he was speaking. I said, you've come to the right, you've come to the right place. You've come to the right place. That is the pathway, if we want to use the word protection, that is the pathway to true protection, is connection and understanding. And it begins person to person. I find myself actually looking for, when I'm out and about grocery shopping or running errands, for anyone that, for any woman that is wearing the Muslim garb, the hijab, or any, in any way looks like she is professing her faith, or he is. And I make a point to go up and just make a connection. And I will say things, and sometimes I feel awkward, and I'm not sure the words are going to come out right, but what I do know is the heart is right. And I will say, I hope you're feeling OK. I hope that you are not feeling the hatred that I know some are misplacing among all of you as, as Muslims. Because the truth of the matter is, there are fanatics and idiots in every religion. And if you've ever read our Old Testament, if you've ever read our Old Testament, it is written right clear in there some of the absolutely ridiculous, outrageous, fanatical kinds of ideas that were expressed then and there. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. And the third point that I would share from Pema's teachings on the awakened heart and bodhicitta, she says, learn to recognize the qualities of the hardened heart and the emotions that fortify the walls of a hardened heart. And she identifies the qualities as these. So these would be things for us to kind of notice in ourselves. 
pride. You know, are we so proud that, that we think our beliefs, our way, our culture is absolutely the best? That kind of pride shuts us off from the rest of the, the world and shuts us off from our own learning and our own growing. Stubbornness, you know, that is a quality that absolutely thickens and hardens the heart. Do we have difficulty admitting that we're wrong? Do we have difficulty apologizing? Bitterness, she says, is another quality that hardens the heart. And then she says, also pay attention to the emotions. Pay attention to anger. Pay attention to fear. Pay attention to resentment. Pay attention to craving. Pay attention to jealousy. These are signals that if you don't begin to neutralize or dissolve or understand what's causing those feelings, you will begin to develop this shell around your heart. And that shell is only going to deserve you and everybody that you care about. This idea of the hardened heart is actually expressed pretty frequently in our scriptures as well. We're told that it is a hardened heart that keeps us from being able to see clearly and being able to hear clearly and being able to understand fully. I agree with that completely. When my heart is hard, when my heart is shut down, I'm not seeing rightly, I'm not hearing clearly, and I'm not understanding, I'm missing a whole lot. We could also take it to a physiological level with regard to the heart. Many of you are aware that there is tremendous research that supports the wisdom of the heart itself. We tend to think that it is the brain as being the physical location of intelligence and wisdom. It's only one organ associated with it. Our whole body, in a way, is a wonderful biofeedback mechanism of wisdom and intelligence, but we just don't know how to pay attention to it in the way we have paid attention to the gray matter between our ears. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. One of my favorite psalms, and I'm not a lover of the psalms a whole lot, but one of my favorite psalms is a psalm that also deals with the heart and the importance of keeping it clear and open. You may recognize if you grew up in a traditional church environment, some of these lines from the 51st Psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Some of you are nodding your heads. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so the fourth idea that I want to begin now to wrap this up that Pema writes about is instead Instead of shutting down and hardening, we are to let the walls begin to crumble. To let the walls around our heart begin to crumble. And rather than shut down, to open up to whatever is happening around us. It's easy to open up to what's happening around us when we like what's happening around us, right? Nobody has difficulty opening up to beautiful, inspiring music, to the beauty in nature around them, to the giggle of a baby, to the kick of a baby. Nobody has any difficulty opening up to the joy-filled, positive experiences. But we need to also open up and not shut down to whatever is happening around us. It's the idea of leaning into it. Oftentimes, people will ask me about the malas that I wear almost, almost every day, no matter where, where I am. 
These malas are for me a physical and tangible reminder to never shut my heart down, no matter what is happening around me. These malas I got when I had an experience that opened my heart in a way that nothing prior to it had ever opened my heart and nothing since has opened my heart in quite the same way. In 1999, when I helped put together the Synthesis Dialogues with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, we were in India for a period of five days. And that experience for me was an opening of my heart to the broader experiences of our human family, experiences that I'd only read about before or seen on television, but never actually experienced firsthand. What severe poverty looks like, smells like, feels like around you, what death and starvation, unnecessary death and starvation looks like and feels like around you. And I remember so vividly saying that the only way I could describe that experience was as if somebody had taken my heart, the physical organ, out of my chest and rubbed it on the rough asphalt and then put it back in and said, now go back home and try to live your life the way you had before. And I couldn't. I couldn't. I remember for probably the better part of that first year, the many times that I'd be sitting around our kitchen table having a meal with my family, and all of a sudden I'd start crying. And John would look at me in the beginning and say, why are you crying? And I'd say, because we're sitting here with such ease and grace, despite whatever puny problems we might be dealing with. We can go to the refrigerator and have food to eat. I can go turn on the water and have water to drink. And that's just not the reality for everyone. And that doesn't seem fair. And while I'm only one person and I can't change it all, I refuse to shut my heart down and forget the reality for so many. And so it is, and so the malas were a, a link for me to that experience. And I share it not to make us feel bad, but I share it because this importance of keeping that soft spot, spot that tender spot, that, that bodhicitta energy alive in us is so critical at this time. And so whatever, that, whatever following that looks like for you in your life, whatever connections you can make with somebody who is different than you, whatever walls you can help to drop around your own heart and whatever walls you can help to drop around your community, the people you, you interact with, are needed so much right now. We can't force through legislation, we can't force through weaponry, peace and love and compassion. We can only evoke peace and love and compassion one person at a time by making connections with each other. 
To me, this is what it means to live with an awakened heart and to never, ever, ever let anything or anyone cause you to make the decision to shut it down and think that by shutting it down, somehow you're going to be okay and the world's going to be okay. It's not. Namaste. Thanks for listening. Sunday services at 9 and 11 a.m. Inclusivity. It's worth the drive. Subscribe to our podcasts and download our free app for instant access to a wealth of spiritual teachings, services, and events.